I'll give you uh, a few moments to turn to the book of Hebrews. And uh, if you're new to our series on Hebrews, then uh, welcome. And uh, if you're first joining us as part of that, we've been doing a series called Christ Overall. And uh, we've been spending the last several weeks, in fact, uh, talking about the power and majesty, the authority, the glory of God, especially found in uh, the person, the divinity, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. If you have been with us, you would remember that uh, last week we started a new section of the book of Hebrews. It really covers chapters 5 to 9. They'll be talking about the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. And we explained some last week about uh, the importance and the role and the, the, the priestly functions and how Jesus is the greatest priest, better than any that uh, the early church had ever known, any that any of the Jewish Hebrew people had ever known, better than Aaron, better than Melchizedek, and we'll talk more about him in chapter 7, and how Jesus perfectly represents us before God, and how he himself uh, was the perfect sacrifice as a payment for our sin. Which leads us to today's reading, and so I encourage you to look with me at uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, we're looking at uh, Hebrews 5 verse 11 through Hebrews 6, 3. So Hebrews 5, beginning verse 11, says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you, are no longer try, sorry, because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly God, we thank you and we praise you for the precious gift of your word and for opportunity to work through it and study through it together. May your Holy Spirit guide us now and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is a very familiar passage, actually, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, you may have heard several messages, particularly out of uh, last week's uh, passage in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, and this passage in uh, beginning in, um, oh, sorry, 1 to 10, and then this passage beginning in verse 11. Uh, a lot of very familiar passages about uh, the Word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword that we found last week, and this week talking about uh, milk and that you're not quite ready for uh, that because you, you are not, um, not where you need to be with Christ. You're not growing in Christ. Very familiar passages. Many of you heard a lot of messages. But what we want to do is look at how that falls into the context of what, um, what the writer is talking about here in Hebrews. Now, this is almost a, a side message from this passage on priestly function because all of the rest of chapters 5 to 9 really are about Jesus as the greatest high priest and how uh, he, he functions and ministers as that uh, to us as his people. 
And then this little section takes time to stop out and, and look at us, rather, look at, rather than looking at Jesus, looks at us as a church to see where we're at. And the writer actually begins this passage by saying, look, there's a lot more that I want to say to you about who Jesus is and, and how he functions for us and how he ministers to us, but you're not ready to hear them because you're no longer trying to understand. And so it begins the passage by challenging us, saying the church needs to know much more about Christ. The church needs to be learning more and more about Christ. We need to be digging in and getting to know Him more and more. In Hebrews chapter 5, 11, the writer says, I have much to say to you about this, about how Christ is, is greater than any high priest and, and how He's the one true sacrifice, our Savior, now and forever. But you can't fully understand. It's hard to make it clear to you because you're no longer trying to understand. Now, do you remember when you first became a Christian? Now, for some of you, that was more recently. Some of you, that was many years ago. For me, that was, I was trying to count today. I think that was 33 years ago uh, I became a Christian. I know I don't look that old, but um, I became a Christian 33 years ago. That was a long time ago, but I can remember when I first became a Christian, I was so excited to tell everybody about Jesus. I just wanted to go out and save the world. I wanted to go out and tell everybody about what Christ has done for me. And, and I, I started reading my Bible every day. And I couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted to know more and more about Jesus. I talked to, um, a few years ago, I talked to a little lady from Bangladesh. And she said, Pastor, she said, since I became a Christian... She said, I'm just hungry for Jesus more and more. She said, I can't get enough of him. I just keep wanting to, to know more and more about him. And, and it's a beautiful thing. When we first become a Christian, we become so passionate about Jesus and we want to know more of his love and we want to know more of who he is, his majesty and his strength and his love and his grace, and we want to share it with everybody. A few years ago when I was serving at Blacktown, there was a man from Iran who... Um, he changed from being born into Islam to being born again in Christ Jesus. And he said to me, he always called me Father, and he said, I'm sorry, Father, but I just can't stop inviting people to church. I said, that's okay. You just keep on going. He said, I just want to tell everybody that I now follow Jesus. And so every week he would come with two or three friends to church, and next week he would bring different friends because he said, I'm sorry, Father, I just can't stop inviting people to church. I want everybody to know this Jesus that I know. Isn't that a beautiful picture of someone whose life has just been transformed? And it's energizing, it's exciting, and, and we want everyone to know more of this Jesus who's changed our life, who's changed our heart. But somewhere along the, the line, in our Christian journey, we can lose sight of who Jesus really is. And it's lose sight of that, that passion to know Him more and more. And somehow, we seem to stop growing in Christ. Not that He has changed. He's still the same magnificent, majestic God. He's still the same loving and passionate God who's here for us. But we lose sight of who we are in Christ and we, we stop 
trying to understand. We stop seeking to know Him more. When do we stop reading more and more about Jesus? When do we stop listening and questioning and learning? I worked with, um, a few years ago, I worked with a man who'd just become a Christian. He'd never had any sort of Christian background, didn't know anything about God. And every week, he would come to me and at the church he goes, oh look, I've just got, I've just got one more, a few more questions. And I said, okay. He goes, I've just been reading my Bible this week and I've got a few questions. And he pulls out this list and it's like, it's like, it's like when a, a grandparent wants to show you photos of their babies. I've just got a few photos and the, the photos just kind of come out. The questions come out. And he goes, okay, well this might take a little longer than just during a morning tea and so we'd have a time in the afternoon to meet and sit and answer questions. And the next week, he'd go, sorry, Father, but I've just got a few more questions. And uh, he would have more questions because he was so excited to learn more about Jesus. He was always reading, always listening, always questioning, always learning. The church needs to be knowing more and more of Jesus. Verse 11 emphasizes that, saying, look, I have so much more to explain to you. I have so much more to tell you. God's love is so much deeper than you understand right now. But you're just not ready for it. Like I said, I've been a Christian for, for 33 years, and I'm still learning more about Jesus every single day. More about His nature, more about His power, more about His love, more about His grace. We as a church need to be learning more and more and more about Jesus. So why aren't we? Well, verse 12 to 13 highlights that a little bit for us. Verse 12 and 13 says, in fact, he begins by saying you're not ready to hear this. In verse 12 he says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. We're not continuing to learn Although by now, you should be teachers. You still need someone to teach you those elementary truths of God's Word over and over and over again. It's like we're stuck in a, a kid's Sunday school class learning the very basics about who God is. God wants to teach us so much more. And we have to open our heart to learn and to grow and to mature. We have to be willing to step into uncomfortable situations sometimes as God leads and be willing to trust Him with our lives and follow Him not only when things are going well but when things don't make sense. To trust Him in the uncertain times and God proves true every time. To trust Him when it seems like the world is falling apart and God proves true every single time. And every time we learn to trust Him more, every time we get to know Him more, we mature and we start growing in our faith and it deepens and it strengthens and we start to understand more and more how deep and how strong and how wide is the great love of Jesus Christ. The Bible says here in verses 12 to 13, the writer is saying, look, you've been, you've been at this long enough. You should have your Ph.D. in Jesus by now. You, you've been a Christian for long enough. You should be out there teaching the wisdom and knowledge that you've received from Jesus Christ. You should be telling other people what you've learned. But you haven't been learning. You haven't been maturing. You haven't been growing up. 
Verse 13 says, you're still on milk, not progressing on to solid food like you should. And so you cannot understand the righteousness of God. Now, I don't think any animal wants to give up milk. When they're born and drinking a mother's milk, it seems hard to ever let that go. Those of you who have parented before, you know that uh, the, the transition between a bottle and just onto complete solids, for some can be a long process uh, of transition. And you kind of introduce a few solids and it's back to kind of bottle or uh, primarily bottle and then maybe they need a bottle just before they go to bed and it's slowly kind of weaning them off that. When I grew up on the farm, we always had, uh, we always had cows. And cattle, you have to intentionally separate uh, a mother from its baby when it's time to, to wean them off of, uh, of the mother's milk. Because a calf will keep on going until it's nearly as big as the grown mother and still trying to drink the mother's milk. And the mother cannot produce enough milk. The, the calf won't uh, grow properly and won't strengthen like it, it. It won't develop the muscle mass and everything it needs to if you allow it to just keep on the mother's milk. And so you have to physically separate them on the farm. And sometimes you'll go to a farm and you'll hear a baby just crying out all the time. And a mom, you, you can tell which one's the mom because she's on the other side of the field calling out to her baby, wanting to be back together, but you need to separate them for a time to allow the calf to, to, to get the solids and start eating the grass and the hay that it needs to uh, to grow and to mature. It's not always easy, but it's what is best for us to develop. For we cannot develop on the milk alone. We cannot develop on just those uh, early teachings or a, a general teaching of who God is. We need to know Him more and more. In the book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about the very same thing. Now, church, uh, Corinth was a, a challenging place to be a Christian because it was such a secular society. It seems like every religion in the world was there in Corinth, and there was a lot of persecution in the church. The church had a lot of difficult times, and, and Paul talks to the early church, and he says a very similar thing in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. Paul challenges the, the church at Corinth and says, you are infants in Christ who still need milk. You're not ready for solids. You need to be growing. You need to be maturing. And you've let that go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, You are like, like newborns. You are to crave the spiritual milk so that you may grow in your salvation. We are to crave that, that spiritual milk and, and grow and mature, but not stay there, but continue, continue to grow and to mature as God leads us to. And how do we get there? Well, the Bible says here in, um, in Hebrews chapter 5 that we do it together. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 through chapter 6, 3 challenges that we as a church should be growing together. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward toward maturity, not laying again the same foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, 
or of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Solids, says, are for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They know God. And so it's not hard when you know God to, to know good because you experience that love and that mercy and grace and you experience what is good and pure and righteous every day. And when you know who God is and you know what good is, it's not hard to see what is not honoring to Him and to know how to live, to know how to love. You learn what to cling to and what to avoid. You learn how to grow. Just as a child starts to learn what is safe and what's not safe, what is right and what is wrong, we, even on our spiritual journey, can start to grow and mature in this way. It says, verses 1 to 3 says, let's, together as a church, Let's move beyond those elementary teachings. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the words of Christ dwell in you as you teach and admonish each other in wisdom as you sing with gratitude to God. Let the words of Christ dwell in you as you teach and admonish each other. Teaching one another. Admonishing, encouraging, absolutely supporting one another. Creates an, added, uh, an atmosphere of growth and learning. Now, I'm, not, I'm no teacher. I understand there, there are uh, several teachers here this morning. And I have great respect for our education system. I have great, great, even greater respect for uh, the teachers who take on that challenge of, of loving and teaching our children toward maturity. But I, what I do know about teaching is that if the classroom is perceived to be a, an unsafe environment, if, if a classroom is perceived to be a place where, or, or if it's a chaotic environment where it's just so chaotic and, and noisy and crazy that people can't focus on what they need to, then it becomes difficult for, uh, for children to, to learn and to, to grow and to, to get what they need. Also, what I have found with teachers is if a teacher loves the children, if the children know that they are loved, then they learn. They learn so much more from teachers who just love them. Now, we've all had teachers who have just loved our kids, and maybe you've had teachers that you go, oh, maybe you should look for another prof profession, because you think you're not really, why are you a teacher? You don't seem to love the kids. You seem to love whatever it is, but not the, not the kids. And, and, and it shows in how much the kids learn and how much the kids seem to grow and mature from being in that classroom. Because if you're in an environment where you're loved and you feel safe and you feel encouraged and you feel empowered to actually be yourself, then you, you grow and you develop and you start to question because you go, you know what, it's okay to be myself. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to not understand everything and to want to learn. Because I have a teacher that wants to help me develop. I have a teacher that's going to love me and there is no crazy questions. There's no stupid questions. I can question things. I can learn. I can grow. As a church, we need to set up an environment as our church that we are encouraging and we are loving one another. That's what admonishing means, to absolutely intently encourage, to set up an atmosphere of love 
and maturity and, and development so that people can grow in Christ. We are to teach one another and admonish one another in wisdom as we sing gratitude to God. We are called as a church to know more and more of Christ as a church. We're never meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. Now I don't know how many of you, as I said, I've been around a long time. I've been a Christian 33 years, but I remember these old Westerns. Do you remember Westerns? I'm more Western than you guys, I guess. Uh, being from uh, America, a lot of these Westerns were there. And I remember one, when I was growing up, it was on TV. I used to sit and watch, uh, it was called The Lone Ranger. And I used to love The Lone Ranger. And uh, The Lone Ranger, it seemed like he could just take on anybody. Like he was, uh, he was against all the baddies. And I used to watch uh, these, I used to watch especially, uh, well, some other Westerns with my dad. I used to watch some old uh, Gene Autry um, Westerns, if you ever saw them. I used to love watching them because my mom's uncle uh, used to make all of Gene Autry's saddles that are in his movies. Um, and so I kind of felt connected to some of these Westerns. And in this Lone Ranger, in, in every episode it seemed, he, he's, it just seemed like he never needed anybody. He never needed any help. When, when the, the marshal wasn't enough, when all the, the good people in the town were scared because the baddies would come in uh, with, with their horses and, and raid the town and there's guns flying and all that kind of stuff, the lone ranger would come in on his own and, and save the day. He never needed anyone. He just saved the day many a time against countless baddies. But the church was never meant to operate as a bunch of ragtag hero wannabes. We're never meant to learn, or we, we are meant to learn together, to love together, to learn to forgive together, to worship together, and to minister together. We know what we need to do. That's what the passage says. You know what you need to do, so let's move on from those elementary truths. Let's move on together in an atmosphere that, that says I am loved and I am encouraged and it's okay to be me and we're going to help each other grow in Christ. We're going to help each other move away from those elementary truths. We're going to help each other mature in our relationship with Christ. We know what we need to do, so let's move on together as a church. Let's grow together. Have you ever decided to get in shape? I'm not going to look at any, any one individual because most of you are, I think you're all in great shape, you know, perfect shape. You probably never have to worry about that. But I, in the past, have tried sometimes to get into shape. If you just decide, look, right now I'm going to get to the gym, I'm going to start working out, how's that worked out for you in the past? Have you ever tried that? Many people make that commitment and then a few months later, they're back to the same old routine except for they're paying for a gym membership that they're just not going to. Then have you ever decided to have a gym buddy? Because if you do, that seems to work twice as well. Because you have somebody else who sometimes goes and sometimes doesn't. But at least when you go, you're working out together. You're challenging each other together. And especially, uh, now I know this is a stereotypical statement, but often guys when they go to the gym, if they go with another guy, they'll work out twice as hard because they just don't want to feel like the other guy is stronger than they are. So they're going to work out a little stronger, a little harder, a little stronger. And if you have an accountability partner especially, you're going to do even better because you're going to have someone who's going to call you out, someone who's going to ask, 
the tough questions. Because if, you have, if you're on your own, someone might go, oh, wow, you, you look like you've been losing some weight. Oh, thanks. When you know for a fact that's not true, but you just go, oh, thanks. I am looking pretty good. And you, you walk a little taller, but you know that nothing in you has changed. Where if you have someone as a accountability partner that's going to walk through life with you, who, who knows that you're trying to change, they're going to say, you know what, you're looking pretty good, but... Um, you know, did you, did you eat that whole pizza before you went to bed last night? Did you, did you finish that? I noticed you got pizza. I saw you at, at Domino's. Did you eat that by yourself? And uh, so, uh, yeah, okay. And the, the, the whole, they'll ask kind of the tough questions. But what we need is, as a church is a group of people. What we're meant to be as a church is a group of people who are going to love one another, not judge one another, but love one another to maturity, loving and, and keeping on growing, keeping on getting in shape spiritually. Someone is going to ask the tough questions. Someone is going to walk through the journey with us that knows where we're trying to get to and is going to gently and lovingly lead us that way. We need to be loving each other toward maturity. That's what this passage is about. It takes a break from saying all that Jesus does for us and who He is, and we're going to get back to that some next week, but to say, church... You can know so much more of God's mercy. You can know so much more of God's grace. You can know so much more of His majesty and His strength. You will learn to trust Him so much more if you mature in your relationship. And you have to do that together. We're not meant to be the Lone Ranger. We're meant to get there together. To set up an environment which is called church, which is meant to love and to mature one another, to teach and to admonish one another, to encourage one another toward maturity. The church needs to be knowing Christ more and more. We need to be growing up, maturing all the way until the day that God calls us home. And we need to grow, develop, worship, and minister together. That's what God's called us to do. So I want to challenge us as a church. Let's learn to love one another. You know what? In a church this size, we have a lot of different people who are at a lot of different stages in that spiritual journey. Some are still on milk. Some are on solids. Some have been on solids for a long time. Some of you are having steak dinners. Some of you are still having milk. Some of you are somewhere in between. Maybe you're trying little bits of wheat bix or whatever it is that you're trying along the, the way. And, and you're, you're starting to try, to try a little bit of solids and then back on milk. What we need to do is get to know one another. Learn to love one another and love one another toward maturity. Encourage each other. Set up an environment as a church so that we can ask questions, we can learn together. We, we all need to grow. We all need to mature. And there's more and more and more to know about God every single day until the day He calls us home. Let's learn to love one another. Let's minister together and encourage each other to keep on growing, to keep on questioning, to keep on challenging, and to keep on... Because you know what happens? As we keep on growing, we keep on uh, maturing in Him, He keeps on giving us that passion. He keeps on giving us that revitalized spirit that says, I know God. I experience His love and mercy every day, and I can't wait to tell other people about Him. Oh, how great it would be if every one of you come back next week and you said, I'm sorry, Pastor Mike, but I couldn't stop myself. I just invited everyone I knew to church. And so every seat is full. And we've got people parking down the street to walk into church. Or you say, Pastor Mike, I'm sorry. 
But I just could, I, I couldn't stop this week telling people about Jesus. I told people in my work about Jesus. I told people at the shops about Jesus. I told a salesman who stopped by my door about Jesus. I just couldn't stop telling people about Jesus because of what he's done for me. Wouldn't that be great? We have a church that's just on fire for Jesus. A church that just keeps on loving him more and more every day. Keeps on getting to know him more and more every day. Because I found when we get to know him, you can't help but love him. Because you've never experienced such love, such mercy. When you get to know him, you can't help but trust him because you've never met anyone more powerful, more strong, more steadfast and true. He is forever faithful. His mercies are new every morning. So great, the psalmist says, is God's unfailing love. Let's get to know him together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together as his church. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. For you are strong and mighty. Mighty in power and strength and authority. But also mighty in grace and mercy and love. And Lord, we, we thank you for the institution of the church that you've set up, this family that's meant to love you, yes, but love one another toward you, to move one another in love and mercy closer and closer to you. Help us, Lord, to learn more of you every day. Help us to read in your word and help us to trust you in prayer Help us to turn our lives to you in every situation and to walk through life together as your church. Help us to share that journey so we see your faithfulness in the good times and through the challenging times. So that we see your steadfast love in the joys and through the heartaches. God, help us to be the family that you want us to be as a church that encourage that teach, that admonish one another in wisdom as we seek to learn more and more of you, as we seek to mature in our walk with you. Help us to do it hand in hand, side by side, walking life together, learning together, worshiping together, growing together, that you receive the honor and the glory that our families are changed, that our community is changed as we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.